Hello and welcome to my Life in Three Songs, a podcast presented by the Daily Emerald. My name is Riley, and each week I talk with a different member of Oregon faculty discussing the three songs that changed their life. This week I'm talking with vocal director Dr. E. Now, before we get into any of the music that we're going to talk about tonight, will you tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and how you ended up at the University of Oregon? So I was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. My father's parents were from Mexico. So my last name is Esquiel. So that's why my students all call me Dr. E because it looks like it's spelled really complicated. In Latin America, it's like Smith. So it's not complicated at all there, but it is unusual here in the States. My mother was from Costa Rica, and so I had a very Latino upbringing. Oh, I've always loved music and, uh, and drama, theater. And so anyway, I ended up pursuing music when I went to college. I had too many things happen in my life. And at the end, I ended up moving to Costa Rica for nine years. And then I met my husband, who I have now. So we ended up coming back to the States to study at uh, Florida State and get our doctorates there. And then I ended up coming out here. Um, my oldest son had moved out here to study and he was in Portland. So it worked out really well <laughs> that we got a job out here so that we could come join the rest of the family. Do you and your husband agree on like, the music taste or do you guys have any uh, choices that you guys argue about? <laughs> not really. Yeah, he, he kind of got seduced to the dark side with opera. Uh, it was not something he was familiar with, uh, but he has a wonderful grasp of languages. And I, I feel like his best musical gift is his musicality and his musicianship. Oh man, I love the musical romance. I'm such a sucker for that. That's a beautiful story. As you said, you work a lot with the human voice. Do you think that's something that's like an innate gift in somebody or is that something that you can kind of train over time and get to an expert level on your own? As a rule, most voices need to be trained depending on what they want to do. If you want to do more contemporary music or pop music, you may not need the training for producing certain sounds. Um, it's a little different style. If you go the more classical route, you need the training. <laughs> uh, and that's where it's really important that you have a good ear, that you can sing in tune, that you have a sense of rhythm, uh, hopefully with a decent range and an interesting tone quality. And it's the package <laughs> or the instrument is our bodies and so it depends on what instrument we've been given. It seems like opera has kind of gathered a bad reputation among people in my generation because they think it's long and boring and a lot of it's in a different language and some people don't have patience for that. Were you always into opera or did that have to kind of grow on you over time? Mm, I was into musical theater. Finally, it wasn't until my last year of my first master's uh, that my teacher begged me to stop doing music theater long enough <laughs> to be in an opera. and. And I did it and I was with my mouth open. I couldn't believe it because I had been a violinist since like middle school and I have a passion for classical music. And so this opera had all the musical complexity that I really love with all the drama. Oh my gosh, drama on steroids that you need <laughs> that, that when you get out of theater pieces and, and then the ability to be able to do music that is stupidly well-written. It depends on the pace of the piece. I, I believe that um, maybe your generation is used to really, really fast paced stuff. Stuff that goes and it's gone and it's done. Even watching movies that came out in the 50s, I think could be screamingly boring for this new generation because the dramatic pace is so slow. The director that I trained under as a director from Florida State, he said, you just have to assume that everybody has ADHD and have something going on all the time 
visually so that people don't check out. When you are in proximity to an opera singer, there's nothing like it. What people with a human voice can do when it's filled with passion and it's ringing and full and full of colors, that's impressive, even if you have never heard it before. We did a tragedy of Carmen, uh, which is like a, an abbreviated version of Carmen by Bizet, all in French. We did it in the round. So the audience was all around the acting area. And, but you had these people wailing 10 feet away from you and somebody getting killed. <laughs> I stabbed the death 10 feet away from you. And, and the drama in that piece is so powerful that I think the people who came, no matter what the ages, were just going with their mouths open. It transcends language and it transcends the age. It's so powerful. Do you remember the first opera that you ever truly loved on your own? It's probably Madame Butterfly. They're, they're real human motions. And, and so I think that's what makes it still applicable, even though the stories can be kind of far-fetched. And I think there's something really important that my generation hasn't fully grasped, and I've only learned as I've been getting older, is that music is built on itself over time, forever. And I mean, the kind of like uh, the songwriting form that we're so used to in my age group is kind of clung to is like the definitive type. It's very American, but that has taken so much influence from all these different cultures over time, which have been refined in their own ways. And a lot of like folk music is from like Irish stuff, as we're going to get into later. And I mean, it's all in there. The DNA is all in there, uh, even for these American songs that we think have no outside sources. So um, speaking of that. Will you tell us a little bit about the first song you chose? Okay, so so back in the day when I was in high school, uh, my brother played guitar and he and I sang. And he got a gig playing in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I learned to use chopsticks. And, uh, and it was like in the bar area, but I was underage, but I didn't ever drink. And so it wasn't a problem. And I just sat in the corner with my brother and we sang for hours. And, um, and I learned how to use chopsticks. But uh, one of my favorite songs that we did was The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. And um, I sang harmony because I had a good ear. Bob played guitar and, um, and he'd sing the melody. And that was the first, we sang a lot of popular music of the day, but that piece in particular, whenever I, he's still in Nebraska. So whenever I go back to Nebraska and visit, we always end up getting the guitar out and playing that piece because there's something, my father, like I said, was a first generation uh, Mexican American. He went through a lot. There was amazing, my father would be like a hundred and something years old now. So you can imagine that during the time he was young, there was a lot of discrimination there was a lot of uh, perceptions of what he was supposed to be and what he couldn't be and what he could be. Yeah, you can be a janitor. That's not a problem. Do not plan on going to college. And that type of thing that he um, grew up with and endured all his life, having to keep going and keep going no matter how much it hurts. And I think this, the boxer song, um, you know, that I just keep enduring and every blow that takes me down I'll just get up and keep going because I don't know anything else. That's a beautiful story and such a beautiful song too. I love that you mentioned harmony because Simon and Garfunkel are such an iconic harmony duo. And I want to talk about the, the beauty of singing together because I think that's kind of a theme with this song and the story you were talking about. It's a unifying thing. And that refrain in this song, the la 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 part that takes, and it's like, that's a, 
it's a it's a request for everyone to kind of join in too. So I think that's such a, a powerful call to put in the middle of this otherwise kind of solo song, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And it, you don't have to worry about the words. You just sing a la la la, and uh, and it just builds and builds and builds. And hear the orchestral building in the background. The orchestration is really beautiful on this piece, for especially for the time period, and it just grows to this dramatic end, and then it, la, 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 and then it just tapers off, and you just know that this person is just gonna keep going. All right, song two, what was your second choice? <laughs> Something in a foreign language. <laughs> okay, Mon Coeur Souvra Ta Voix, from Sanson et Love, by Sanson. But yeah, that aria, I think it means a lot to me because um, my voice type, I can't, I'm kind of limited in what roles I can sing, and Carmen, and Delilah are two of my big ones. And, and so I have sung that aria with symphonies and with other performance venues and for recitals and things because it fits my voice really well and it doesn't always fit. Uh, it's a big enough voice that I can handle that aria. How many languages do you speak? Oh, I speak Spanish and I speak English. And I'm studying French because I really like French and I studied Italian, but I don't really speak the German I took studied German, but my German is terrible. We have cheats that we learn the international phonetic alphabet and we write all and we learn all the pronunciation rules and voila. <laughs> I can sing in those languages and not sound too bad. Okay, so so this is this is fascinating to me. I've never heard anything like this. So you can't speak French, but you can sing French. And I've sung so much French, and this is kind of silly, that when I was in grad school. I had to take a year of French. You take a year of each language. I'd done my Italian. I did my German. So I went, I finally get to do French. And I love French. So I was very excited about it. And I take the placement exam and I passed a year. And I was like, wait, I can't talk French. <laughs> what are we doing? All right. Final song, song three. Okay. Be Thou My Vision. And so you mentioned that it's Irish. Because I, I do opera and I've done popular music and I do music theater and I do all those wonderful things that I love. But but me personally, my priority is my family and, and my relationship with the Lord. That's very, very important to me. It kind of gives me my motivation for everything I do. And so this song, the words, just tell you to bring you back home again. And you can be off running around or stressed or, <laughs> or life is hitting you or COVID or, or whatever that's going on. And you can come back. No, 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 stop. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And if you, it's just like, I have to go get back to home base <laughs> every day so that I'm not being blown away by the world and life and things that blow us away. That's, that's life. That's reality. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I love all of these songs. As a parting request, do you have any musicians who are like working today that you think have really great voices? I'll give a shout out to one of my former students. He graduated last year. Lawrence Barasa Kiharangwa. Uh, he's a tenure from Kenya. And uh, when he came to me, it was, you could tell it was just an insanely wonderful gift. And, but he had a lot of basic technical things that had to get addressed. And we, I got to kind of beat him up for four years. <laughs> and I told him when he sings at the Met, he will have to give me a ticket. <laughs> Front row seat, yeah. When I hear that voice, I just go, wow, Lord, you sure made that well. Thank you for listening to my conversation with vocal director Karen Esquivel. You can find a playlist with all of the songs from this episode, as well as all the others, in the episode description.
See you next week.